dark in here, so I'm gonna have to use a flash. It's gonna be a big burst of light. But don't let it upset you. Just relax, sit back, and say, gee. Remember the Times Square freak twins? Yeah. Mm, they're born Siamese twins. And they get cut apart, kill some doctors, and vanish from the hospital. and find all of them. Exactly. I can't let that happen. Well, I found them. So what will you do? Whatever I have to. Get case two. That's no way for a reporter to behave. He wants to grant you an interview. A personal interview. His very first. He's all excited. This time, he's not alone. That's all it took, apparently. All right, so here we go. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Adam Walker, and joining me as always is Belial Lovett. Thanks for coming. Hi. On. And, oh, I'm, uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. And we got a guest, a returning guest, uh, Barbarian. Barbarian. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, Barbarian. Yeah, for sure. You were on our uh, episode that, where we discussed Mermaid in a Manhole. Yeah, we did. Uh, which, was, <laughs> which was Pat's favorite movie uh, for all time. It was a revisit for you and I. I still think that movie is great. Uh, there was a little bit of a split dissenting opinion on that one at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first guinea pig. What was the first guinea pig? Flowers of Flesh and Blood. That's the one. Yeah. That's that's the most famous, right? That's the yeah, one. That's the most famous. That's the one that uh, Charlie Sheen tried to get banned or got banned oh, from the U.S. because he thought it was a, a real snuff film. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it was a different era, right? You where you couldn't actually look up in a moment's notice what an actual snuff film looks like, um, you know. Sure. Now you can find anybody being decapitated and dismembered pretty quickly. So yeah. we know that that looks fake. Yeah, those yeah. those were simpler times. Uh, did you ever watch that German movie, The Toter's King? There's like a full. I think it was made in the '80s. There's a full elapsed time, like body farm desiccation of a body. It's the same guy that did Necromantic. I think so. Yeah. Mm. I've never seen it. We've talked about it. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it, Nate. Nope. Yeah. Necromantic, yes. Toter's King, no. Might have to talk about it sometime. It's a pretty good one. If we keep the sequel theme going on, I would like to talk about Necromantic 2. Uh, uh, all right. Hey, don't give away too much. Well, <laughs> this is all speculative. Anyways, so today, I think this will officially end our Flixtober episodes because we're actually running over we've got a bonus episode here 
a bonus body. Uh, <laughs> last week we talked about Hellbound, Hellraiser Two. We did a double feature with Orion, uh, our friend Orion, and here we're talking about Basket Case Two, the eight-year follow-up to Frank Hennenlotter's, uh widely, widely uh, acclaimed movie Basket Case Numero Uno. Senior Basket Case Senior. The the, yeah. the the father of Basket Case. This is the son of Basket Case. So, and like I said, this came out in 1990, eight years after the first one. So this was after Brain Damage. This mm-hmm. was, I don't know if this was after Frankenhooker because it came out the same year. It was consecutive. They ran them consecutively. Okay. I think Frankenhooker was fir- first. I, I actually just read that. that Great. One right after the other. Okay, thanks for clarifying. I wasn't sure. Uh, but we have a return from Kevin Van Hendrick as Dwayne, the hapless uh, half-brother, ha- hapless Siamese sibling of Belial, the, the little basket booger, basket boy. <laughs> the, the, little hell, the little hell meatball. Fucking naming him Belial is just so on the fucking nose. Dude. Oh, I know. I know. I got something to say about that. Uh, yeah. So speaking of, we have a sponsor for tonight. I'm really trying to remember our sponsors because, you know, they keep the show running. How yeah. else would we bring this quality content to you every week if we didn't have our beloved sponsors? Tonight's beloved sponsor is Belial Buddy Baskets. If you got a little buddy, put him in a basket and take him on down the road with you, Belial Buddy Baskets. Uh, we've got them in different colors. Uh, the current market favorite is Blood Red. Yeah. Blood Red Weave uh, Belial Buddy Basket. I, I kind of like just the classic wicker, you know? Okay. It, I don't like to betray too much about what's in my buddy basket. <laughs> you never know what's in your buddy basket. Surprise your friends and family with buddy baskets today. Okay, so uh, Barb, a.k.a. Nate, uh, you selected this one, and do you want to give a synopsis of it, or would you like me to do it, or any, anybody? Sure. You want, go I'll, ahead, I'll give, do it. Give a synopsis. I'll do it. Yeah. So the reason I, I suggested it was because I'd only recently revisited ba- the original Basket Case. Okay. Um, and so I was like, well, fuck it. I'll watch Basket Case 2. Let's do it. It's been a minute. I'll be honest. I don't think I actually ever saw all of Basket Case Two because I have I had no recollection, and you'd think I would, of the uh, of the pregnancy scene with yeah. uh, this <laughs> leave the belly, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So that's really close to the end. I'm wondering if I ever actually finished Basket Case Two. So it picks up basically right after Basket Case One. Uh, when uh, Dwayne and his brother Belial, you know, they escape their New York City tenement uh, apartment apartment complex, their tenement building, uh, jumping out the window, splatting on the concrete below, and being whisked off to the gawking news media and passersby uh, to the hospital. In the hospital, Belial uses his unexplained <laughs> light-up eyes and telepathic powers to control the body of Dwayne to escape the hospital where they are somehow coincidentally discovered le- leaving the hospital at the exact same moment that a woman notorious for taking in different people, they call them freaks in the movie. She doesn't call them freaks. I don't think. Um, and their rights, uh, 
Uh, she takes them into their house. She knew apparently Kevin's mom uh, or Dwayne's mom. Pardon me. Yeah. And uh, then they live in this house of freaks. And really the entire the entire movie is just a John Waters <laughs> sort of trashier remake of what is it? 1923. The, the original freaks. Thirty two. Thirty two. There's yeah. a ton of that in this. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so they go live in this house of freaks. It's a real fucking zoo. There's mutants and freaks everywhere. You get frogmen. You get teeth men. You got a woman which what appears to be a hairy castle on her head. Yeah. Um, What's with like the crescent moon fucking thing? Yeah. You got you got the Mac Tonight guy, right? That's what I um, thought too. He's totally the Mac Tonight guy. And then you have, the, there's diet sexecutioner too. Yeah. Yeah. And and then there's just like misshapen lumps. Like there's a mouth man that has an operatic voice that he sings yeah. uh, in the beginning. Uh, there's also a uh, spoiler. Um, another, another freak just like Belial uh, that lives in the attic as well. And that leads to some uh, scenes that I also did not remember. That's why I don't know if I ever actually uh, saw the entire original basket case too. Yeah. Um, meatball, anyway, meatball hanky panky. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and like, I, I was like, well, I don't even know where things are and how it works, but apparently it works for them. And I guess that's what's most important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, some shit happens. People poke their nose into places it shouldn't be. Well, I'll get to killing somehow. Somehow that thing is lethal. Um, and, uh, you know, it ends with Kevin finally accepting that Belial is his brother and very abruptly ends um, with the obvious tailing being the setup for basket case three. Number three. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That was a very good uh, synopsis. Uh, so this was made on a two and a half million budget. I don't know how much it made back. I think by and large, it got pretty positive critical, critical reception. There was some people that, you know, didn't think that this was, a, I guess, a, a as good of a follow-up to the original. But a lot of that had to do with just the fact that, like, some of the uh, shortcomings of the original, original basket case is what made it so good. Yeah. The grittiness of it being, like, you know, a very lo-fi DIY type of film. Uh, so, but honestly, I, I mean, overall, I think people thought it was a worthy sequel in many ways to the original, uh, Brandon, any off, I was going to say, Brandon, do you got any off the top? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of curious your thoughts. So like, um, I like Nate, I, I had rewatched basket case, the original to kind of prime myself for this. Um, yeah, and I got like uh, I read a review, and somebody had said it lacks the charm and kind of this semi-serious plot of the first film. Nothing from either of these movies strikes me as serious, <laughs> like even a little bit. This this no. actually harkens to me more like a like Beetlejuice or something. Uh, is that yeah, yeah, yeah? This one, this one, Basket Case. I liked Basket Case one better because it. I, I liked the grain of the it, the film that it was shot on. It just had that lo-fi, like it was quote to, to what Adam said, grittier. I liked that. It was also, I think, a little more a little more like focused 
and you know, but like basket and, and it was shot apparently according to the internet on $35,000. Um, yeah. Whereas basket K2, what you said, 2 million. Yeah. Um, Two and, and a half. lot of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it just seems like it was kind of, uh, it was goofier. Right. It was it was a goofier cast of characters with no backstory. Like, what the fuck is up with that bat bat guy? What the fuck is up with the fucking tooth guy? Right. Yeah. You know? The bat guy clearly was never a human. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the frog dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, watching this, it was it from the beginning. Okay, so I don't want to digress too much, but it's like I think we can all agree that the first child's play is a serious movie as, as silly as it is, it's framed in a way that like we might laugh because we have a mean spirited sense of humor, but it's supposed to be pretty serious. This yeah. movie's a fucking goofball cartoon from start to finish. And I, I feel like the first one is too. So for somebody to be in the reviews going, well, it lacks the drama and the, you know, kind of, darker edge of the first film gone what did we watch the same movie no no the first film's got a lot of fucking slapstick in it too yeah yeah there's there's my favorite character in the first film is the fucking super for the tenement building that they (laughs) hell yeah i'm running i'm running an institution for crazy people yeah yeah that dude's the fucking best he's just constantly at his wits end running up and down the stairs yelling at apparently everybody that lives in the apartment yeah um and the second one, the second one is just a slapstick, but I think you're right. It's like more, it's like, it's like Tim Burton and fucking and John Waters, right. a lot more of that shit in it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Before we get into talking about specific like goods and bads, and if we have any questions about this, I did want to know one thing about basket case. So when we first started this podcast, um, Pat and I, we tried to create a whole section where we found Danzig movie reviews, if they related to the movies. But it was based off of just one little snippet that Danzig did in some zine or whatever in the 80s where he hated Halloween 3, but he loved Basket Case. It was like one of his favorite movies of all time, but he thought Halloween 3 was complete trash. He wanted to murder the people that made it, (laughs) which is funny to me. That those that was the conclusion that he came to. I would kind of almost think it would would have been the opposite, but uh, yeah. So, anyways. Now I'd like you to be Elise. No one has yet been able to determine her parentage. She read of my work and came to me on her own. She's like a second granddaughter to me. She's also our resident poet. Hello, Belial. Now meet Frederick. I purchased Frederick from his parents. Yes, purchased. It was either me or a sideshow. He's very, very introverted, very difficult to understand and the first to offer comfort and help when one of our family needs it. So let's talk about some goods right off the top. Uh, I really, really like that whole beginning dialogue sequence that's happening during the news interviews. 
<laughs> where they're talking to the different uh, citizens of New York um, about what's going on. And, and it's like, it's very, very insensitive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Much yeah. like New York is. Right. Is super funny. So, um, and like, that's the thing I like about the first one. Again, it's, I like those old films that harken back to that original, like romanticized, gritty, filthy, you know, um, kind of like rough around the edges aspect of New York. That's the only part of this movie that I feel harkens at all back to that Mm. kind of feel or aesthetic at all and so like when i go into this movie i'm like oh yeah like i think i'm gonna get more of that but then it diverges pretty dramatically from there yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the dirty gritty chicago movies we've talked about right right child's play Candyman, bad, bad boys. boys yeah it's the same kind of right i mean Slight of the first scenes of this movie, you wouldn't even know that it, you wouldn't know where it was because they're mostly like indoors in some institution or something. Mm-hmm. So I agree. The first like 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> up until they leave the hospital. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real good. It's very like uh time and place, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. It's it, it and that's one of the things I like about the first movie. And yeah, the second movie, I mean, it doesn't I, I don't even think that like New York City is a character in the first movie too. Yeah. Um but I it doesn't you know, like you said, it doesn't really even matter where the second one takes place. Yeah. Um because the most you see of New York is like the skyline, I guess because it takes place on Staten Island, so you're looking over, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah, it's the same as like Abel Ferreira movies or William Lustig all of these different exploitation horror actors that are so indelibly intertwined, even like Martin Scorsese, they're very indelibly intertwined with New York. And I feel right. like that was a thing with Frank Henenlotter too, but it's not really happening with this one. So, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know, like after that part, this movie honestly kind of loses me. <laughs> it's really, it's really fucking long. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a, it's kind of a slog. Uh, it's right. It's like it's like two two hours and ten minutes long. Right? Yeah, the the pacing is a little little off off for me. Um, there's a lot. I don't know. It almost plays like kind of like a like made for TV movie. Like it's like this, you know. I, what did I say in the email? I called it like a, uh, a night breed for nitwits yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where it's like, it has this menagerie of freaks and yeah, the, the costume work and the makeup work, it's really cool and interesting, but it's way too childlike and almost like, um, it's Beetlejuice. It's, it's mm-hmm. a more advanced it's if if it's if the last scene of Beetlejuice when he's sitting in the hospital was expanded out to a two hour movie. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very it's very um, freak like the shrunken head dude, and it just the character design did look kind of the same. They just they there's no way they were even human beings. I fucking wish human beings could look like those things. <laughs> dude, the tooth guy. Fuck. <laughs> I know. There was one dude that just had like like. 
I guess they were worms, but they, they were just plastic fishing lures hanging out of his face. Right. <laughs> yeah, it looked like there's a fucking bike chain hanging out of there. Yeah, so we've already kind of done a rundown of the freaks. We got T- uh, Piano Teeth Tooth Man. We got Mac the Knight Head Man. We've got mm-hmm. the to- Hair Tower Head Lady. Right. We've got Fishing Lure Face. So, like, if right. these They're- were... If- if these were like, uh, what is it, uh, Dick Tracy villains? <laughs> right. what their names? So we Dude, got those. It's got the f- new. It's the new. It's the twenty twenty three rollout of the new sm- Slipknot lineup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We got Froghead Man. There's the one fucking lady that has like the long skinny neck with the pinhead and the eyes like stick yeah. out to the side. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, there's the one guy that kind of looks like Sloth. From the Goonies, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. where his or like yeah, where his head's been just kind of like twisted, like like water taffy, right? Yeah, there's a guy that's kind of a cross between like Butterball from Hellraiser, yep, and some kind of I don't know. He's, he's like his brain is exposed on the outside. I think he's the guy in the wheelchair. He's got the little glasses. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and he has he has a very high pitched voice. He's wearing so, a hat at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course we have Belial. We got the return of Belial, which there's a noticeable facelift and upgrade to Belial. <laughs> the original Belial looks so much better, and like, the uh, sound he makes in the first one. <laughs> 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 Yeah, and he just has like some superpower where he can fly through the air. Essentially, he, I, he, I don't know. Belial, Belial, um, he has a he has a, apparently a lot of different powers. He can cling to things and fly through the air. Yeah. He's extremely strong, yeah. uh, and he has some sort of mental telepathy power associated with light up eyes. None of this is ever expanded <laughs> upon or or anything. There's no exposition behind any of it in. Uh, either of the movies right and you know i would like to save it for the questions but while we're talking about it why doesn't why didn't Dwayne get imparted with any of this shit i was just gonna say that yeah so if, if they say if they share the same genetic makeup yeah how did how did Dwayne get the short shrift on all like the cool like powers and stuff I actually think that maybe it's kind of hinted in the first one because there's a little, you know, it talks about Dwayne's childhood. Yeah. I think that Dwayne got the looks and Belial got like the fucking power because okay. Dwayne's also kind of an idiot and Belial seems to be smarter, although less capable of communicating that intelligence. Like he's the brains of the operation when he tells Dwayne what to do. And Dwayne just kind of like bumbles around looking to get laid and like looking to fucking strike out on his own. But he's utterly super inept. Yeah, for sure. Right. The funny thing too is that Dwayne cannot um he doesn't have telepathy or any kind of psychic connection to Belial. He has to speak to him in English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For him to re you know, send relay the message back psych- psychically. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that- the original Master Case Belial is so much better. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and one of the things that I think I was, you know, I was talking to Charlotte about this before we got on that I think would have benefited this movie. She pointed out that this would have been better if it would have went like the Peter Jackson route where it was like, you can be funny and and goofy, but like really lean into the gore and the violence. But that, this movie isn't gory or violent at all. There's the one scene where Artie gets attacked by yeah. the throng of freaks, but even then, it's it's not noticeable what's going on. 
you know, most of the violence is carried out by Belial. I'm um, pretty sure all of it is actually. Well, and, and Dwayne, to a lesser extent, I think just like if we're talking about like harming himself and like shoving, uh, I can't remember the, his his girlfriend. None Fucking, of the people's names uh, matter. Yeah, shoving uh, Prego lizard yeah. agenda yeah. out the window. Eve, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, yeah. no. So, Eve is Belial's girlfriend. It's uh, Susan. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. The one that looks like a trans person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Which is- and so she, she gets shoved out the fucking window, but, but like somehow Belial is capable of ultra violence. And I have to imagine it like it would, it, I just, just get away from him. Yeah. You he's, know a, what he's, I mean? a, he's a fucking meatball. Just he's like, a lump. He's, he's, he's literally meatwad. Just get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're kind of all mixing things up here a little bit, but right. uh, uh, do you guys have any other like bads? Um, uh, well, hold on. Before we get into the bads, I have some goods. Okay. Sorry. Um, both of these movies, this goes for both movies. Um, I'm usually not one to go for like a fun atmosphere with yeah. any kind of horror at all. Like I draw the line typically at like tremors or something, mm. but I did appreciate that. in this, it's like the silly campy kind of shit. Yeah. You know, I thought it, it was, this is one of those kind of movies. And the first one too, where if you put it on mute at like a house show or something, oh, it yeah. would, or, you know, whatever, it's hilarious to watch just as visually striking and, and fun, you know, and because of that, like Adam knows, I'm a pretty pedantic person. Because of that, I can forego a lot of stupid plot holes and shit like that. Because I already know it's stupid going in. There's no question. Um, I, I, you know, the effects are cool. We talked about that. Um, I do like Artie's flash murder scene when his camera's going off. And yeah. You just see him being ravaged by meatball. Um, yeah. <laughs> on the floor and all the other freaks watching. That was cool. Uh, and then <laughs> with as, as like weird as it was, I thought that the Eve Belial fuck scene was, I, I did not see that coming. And like, I, I had to rewind it and laughed out loud watching that shit. Yeah. So that was a good time. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's some kind of funny, some kind of funny lines and stuff. Uh, but I'll wait till we get to the quotes for that. But yeah, it's pretty much my good. I mean, it's just watching this fucking ridiculous, like it's like taking a regular horror, like a toxic Avenger movie or something and stretching it out like silly putty. It's fucking just like ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. This, this Frank Hannon Lauder had a connection to trauma Right, so I saw sense. the trauma credit at the beginning yeah. of this movie. Trauma acquired, I think, the entire catalog of that production studios, like their entire catalog. I think, yeah, because I, I was looking into that, and I so I think they have the they acquired that, and they have the rights to release it and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. This would definitely fit. That makes sense. It would fit within that trauma canon. Has the same mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. It would sit alongside other type of trauma movies. Um, yeah, again, like, I think this is a fun movie, but comparatively to, to Frank's other stuff, this pales in comparison. Well, right. I I mean, I guess the, the, the idea of the entire 
character, <laughs> this fucking guy who does not want to be separated from his disgusting globule of a brother. <laughs> it's like creepish yeah. fucking skin mass. And so they run this rampage on all the doctors in the first one. And then it you know carries on to this. That alone is is enough to, you know, get me to sign on. So that yeah. I mean, it just once again just goes back to like the whole atmosphere of it. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Even though it has shortcomings and it's not as good as the first one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you- I- I liked the things that I liked in this one are pretty close to, you know, they, they, they mirror what's been said. I do like the random shit that happens that like has, there's like a, there's a tell I think in like certain lower budget, more exploitative movies where like random shit happens that doesn't really lead anywhere. Like the interaction between the, the shopkeep or whatever. And, and, uh, um, the, the the young woman that works at the at the fucking uh, hospital that works not at the hospital but works at the, the the boarding house for freaks oh yeah like where she's coming out and he's like hitting on her and stuff and it's like it's it's a really long scene that has nothing to do with anything I love right? that scene that was gonna be in my good dude that guy is yeah. fucking hilarious no, I like I, I I like I I that's one of the things that I really like about like lower budget movies and just sort of you know, exploitation movies is you get these little things, these little, I guess, vignettes in there that don't really have anything to do with anything, but they're kind of telling about like the writer and the director's style and sort of of the era as well. And, uh, I think that's pretty fun. I like that. There's, there's one of those. I think there's a couple of those in the first movie too. There's, I I like the way that the reporter is mutilated. I really thought that was going to go somewhere else. And maybe I I've never seen basket case three. So maybe it shows that she shows up in basket case three, but I don't know. But the way that she was that, that entire scene is like, you know, I mean, that is directly pulled from freaks where they fucking take, you know, that, that beautiful actress or whatever the certain, and they, they turn her into the duck lady. Um, (laughs) And so I, I like that, that, that obvious callback. And I like the character, some of the characters, I just wish that, we had a little more to go on. Like I, I would be perfectly happy with fewer freaks, right? Right. Like get rid of the frog man, get rid of the bad guy, you know, just give me like three or four, three and, and, and let them sort of like, uh, you know, develop a little bit in the movie. Why the fuck is that woman's head look like a bone castle? Yeah, you great. know, like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? She, her head uh, kind of looks like the fucking Thor's hammer. Yeah, it's really weird. Or, or the the lady with the the hammerhead shark head. Hammerhead like, shark eye. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I thought the same thing. I would I would agree. Like it would be better to just have kind of like this monster squad of just a handful. Yeah. Of beasties. Right. Instead, there's like at least a dozen. Yeah. Hell yeah. And the only, and only a couple of them are really sort of introduced by name and even have like anything beyond just sort of like gibbering in the background and like shaking. Right. Right. Yep. Um, Agreed. Sorry, am I am I misremembering? But when you're talking about the shopkeeper, because did we mention? I don't know if you're talking about the same guy. That, like the circus freak 
handler guy. No, no, that get, was a good scene too. There's that that's whole thing another, too. <laughs> that, that's another one. That's like a total non sequitur. Like, what right. the fuck? Why is he even in the fucking movie? Yeah. What the fuck is up with his mermaid? Right. Like yeah. that's that's that, you could cut that entire thing out. Totally. No, that that, that was a huge setup too. That was like twenty minutes yeah. of setting up this guy's story of why he's even fucking there. Yeah, I know. And then like, there's like, it's just an opportunity to show somebody else get fucking killed, I guess. Yeah. But, um, um, no, it's when Susan, um, granny Ruth's granddaughter, when yeah. Susan is coming out with a, with like a basket of, oh, yeah, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think there's this whole like two minute exchange between her and some old mustachio dude. Yeah. He's like, I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this right now just for context, but this was in my quotes. He he he's trying to get her to like come to his apartment or something. Yeah, you're yeah. beautiful, you beautiful lady, and he goes, "I'll make a margarita. I'll put an umbrella in it. I'll make I'll make a sour for you. I'll put cherries in it." And then she's out of there, and he's like, "Have a nice day, bitch." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, like it has, that, that whole thing interaction has nothing to do with fucking anything other than you can tell that it just it's it it gives something away about the you know the the, the crew that were responsible for the fucking movie. It's like, is it trying to sh- show expound on the cattiness of people in in New York or something? Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, but that was that was a funny that was a funny scene. That and the fucking toothless carnival barker, <laughs> barker wasn't it? Like, yeah. oh uh, god, I'll make a yeah, margarita. He, I'll put an umbrella in it. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that that was super funny. But agreed. And, I mean, did not that you could have made this movie so much more condensed by trimming off little um, vignettes like that. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, get rid of that and, and give me more of the fucking like eel baby that lives in Susan's stomach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's kind of a huge fucking plot development to drop on you for about three minutes of the film. Like, who got her fucking pregnant? Right. Yeah. And, like what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. That's what I was wondering. Who's the dad of, the the chest burster burster thingy that's that just per, perpetually gestates apparently right I've been There's pregnant a- for six years she says it's like the fucking cuckoo clock bird <laughs> comes out you know it's like oh hey yeah. you want to fuck right now baka coming out to surprise everyone. It must be like the most reproductively intact freak that lives in the house. <laughs> yeah. Does it eat on its own or does it like live basically? In I, want, like, I want a whole movie of her just feeding that thing that pokes out of her <laughs> belly and, and uh, you know, dealing with that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess she dies at the end. Well, that's the thing, though. You're led to think that Dwayne and Belial die at the end of two. I haven't yeah, seen three know. either. So maybe they resurrect you know. her in three. Yeah. I don't know. But the actress that played Susan, too, like her name's Heather Rattray. And she was a child star in the 70s mm. um, who had some appearances like uh, some like Old West and like some appearances, the Adventures of the Wilderness family and so forth. Uh, and then from 79, she doesn't do anything according to IMDD until Basket Case 2. And then she pops up in a few like one-offs in TV episodes. She's in 
Actually, she's in 70 episodes of The World Turns, so she goes on to be a fucking soap opera actress. Damn. We'll, we'll forever know her just from Basket Case 2. Yeah, but think <laughs> about she, this for a minute. The fucking bad luck. Her last name is Rat Tray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and she's an uncredited uh, reappearing background character in Star Trek Voyager. Okay. Oh, weird. Yeah, we we actually read an interesting thing about Annie Ross, the lady who plays Granny Ruth, the uh huh. You know, uh, trying to find out why she sounds so so familiar, and she didn't do a lot of films, but she would be a voice overdub if you know during that time, I guess in the seventies and eighties, if they didn't like um, the way a person's voice sounded, she'd come in to do the voiceover. Oh, okay. So you probably hear her more than you recognize her from anything. She does look familiar too, but I can't put my finger on anything else I've seen her in beside besides this. Yeah, to me, I kind of thought that she sounded like um, Voorhees' mom in the first fight of the Yeah, I think that's oh, what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that shitty wig of hers just makes me think of Jason Voorhees' Mrs. mom, Voorhees, yeah. Mrs. Voorhees' yeah. mom. It's the same yeah. kind of shit. It's the same kind of haircut, but it's like clearly a very shitty. <laughs> shitty wig yeah uh, uh okay anything else in uh these categories bad questionable um, what, what no. we got yeah well i got i got questions for sure i yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of like smelding every, everything together in in the in the good bad and questionable but that's that's my, fine my biggest bad the only thing i actually have written down because i i quite enjoyed just the fucking menagerie of this was <laughs> how long it was. I mean, it took yeah. for fucking ever to get what we got, you know? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. just like darts, the focus darts around a lot. There's not really a, a, a very refined narrative. Like you get the point. It's quite simple what they're trying to achieve, but then all this ancillary shit, like Nate was saying, you know, it's trim, pretty scary. Right. Trim that down. You probably cut out 40 minutes of the movie. Because I mean, for a, for a horror movie in general, two over north of two hours—that's a long fucking movie, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I'd, I'd agree. Like, especially especially a horror movie of this caliber, you know. Sure, for sure. And the other thing too, it's like unlike Maniac or something, they don't really ever leave. Nothing's interesting. They're indoors in you know this home or the hospital, whatever. If there's like some scenery change or something to break up the monotony, maybe that would make the two hour runtime a little less um, excruciating. But that that's what you got. And I mean, I there's a lot of shit in that that ancillary stuff to laugh about for sure. But it's too much for me. I get exhausted. Yeah, I agree. Like like I told you before, that's my number one bad was the pacing right. on this. Is just really makes it like, oh, come on. Wrap <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it up. bad is it like, despite, despite the, the, you know, they are the center of the story, Dwayne and Belial, they're really, they're, they're really not the main like focus of this movie. There's so much else going on. Like in the first movie, it's real tight. There's only a few characters. Dwayne and Belial have a very focused thing to get to. And so, but this one, I mean, I just, 
I don't give a shit about Bilal. I already saw that. Like I said, I want to know what's going on with these other things. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that, that brings me back to, I guess now that we're talking about, it, I have more of a bad is, and that's it. That the reveal of Belial in the first one, it's kind of horrifying. I mean, when you see him and you go, <laughs> Jesus Christ, they went there. Yeah. They really did. Yeah. His yeah. shoulders are, are his cheeks basically. And he's <laughs> fucking like, yeah. It's not, it's not just like a face with a hand peeking out from the basket. You throw the whole thing. And it looks like, like ah! and, the te- and the teeth and everything. But yeah. Um, yeah, so after that reveal in this movie, I don't need to know much about him. And 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 I'm pretty sure it's halfway through this movie, I started looking around for this. I don't think the other Cretans, the other mutants do any of the killing. Um, at the end, the, the, the final act with that news reporter, yes. But up until then, they just let Belial, the meatball, do this shit. They could have got way yeah. more creative with like Teeth yeah. Guy or any of those fuckers um, showing them murder and get their vengeance out you know, against the, the exploitive news press or whatever. They didn't do and that. And like if it was more like Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles in terms of like yeah. – like if it was just that much more fucked up, right? Where everybody had like their own little, their own little fucking like uh, scene where they get down on some violence, and uh, the whole thing is completely gonzo and bonkers. Right? I don't know. It's more interesting. Also, what the fuck is up with Eve? Like uh, the actress that plays Eve. That's that's fucking. Uh, that's the actress that played fucking Susan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's same that's, same actress. Right. But so I thought, you know, oh, so she's also a fucking like, you know, a fucking lumpulus that got cut off this fucking woman. <laughs> that's what right? I thought. That's what I thought they were going with it. They should have. No, no, they should have. But that's not what happened. Instead, yeah. she's got the eel inside of her. And then there's just this other mysterious thing that Belial fucks the shit out of. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he, he fucking beats the brakes off of that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of swing sw- setups and swing and miss because it would have been super cool if there was like some society shit happening where they like yeah. meld their flesh together or something. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. The the other thing, I mean, it makes it makes you wonder why did he set up all of these extra characters for them to do nothing? You know, they could have, it could have just had like a run on the fucking city with all these mutants or something. Yeah, I know. I would fucking, uh, now that would be a movie. That would be a true fucking exploitation movie with freaks and mutants tired of being exploited. Yeah. Take a fucking run on Staten Island and it's them, <laughs> it's them battling cops in the streets and just getting <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. That's, that's the basket case too we should have gotten. Well, and the thing is, it's no coincidence that it feels that way because what I read was this was originally supposed to be completely a complete deviation for Hen and Lauder from Basket It was supposed to be focused only on the freaks, but the production company said you need to bring Belial and Dwayne back. Why? That's how this shit always goes, dude. Why? You know he didn't really push back against it. He's like, fine. So that's why it feels like they're kind of like an afterthought almost. Yeah. They're kind of, they're kind of shoehorned in there just to help with the marketing essentially. 
Yeah, that sucks. I mean, that's like what we always talk about with the Halloween problem, you know? Yeah. End it with two. Michael's dead. Leave him fucking dead. Move on. But no, bring him, they bring him back from a marketing standpoint. It's like, if mm. that's what you want to do, don't call this movie Basket Case. Just make it free or remake of Freaks or something. So, and this yeah. is this is the thing too, because people obviously they complain a lot about why movies and why cinema has been such a pile of shit for so long. A lot of it has to do with the fact that making movies, obviously, it's all about you know a lot of it is about making money, and 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 there's so much more money on the line as we go along that these production companies and studios they're emphasizing more and more market-based research and analyticals. So the fact that they're hinging so much on these, they, they see, well, okay, these demographics like this movie that was already made, it tests higher with these audience. So we've got to just keep replicating that. Whereas that wasn't always the case. Man. Cinema wasn't based around market analysis. Right for generations it was about you know it was about the auteur seeing their vision through to a certain extent in, in the bigger studio system and then you had the indies with the exploitation market whereas yeah it was about making money but it was it wasn't all necessarily about just like getting granular about this market-based research it was like oh you know we're gonna put butts in seats by being sensationalistic yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna like you know, we're going to put the most like crate, you know, we're going to put tits and gore on the screen because people are going to be like, man, did you fucking see that crazy shit? You know, that's how it was. <laughs> There's so many parallels that I can see between the film industry. It's like what you just explained, burn fucking Hollywood to the ground, you know, for yeah. that very yeah. reason. It's sacrilegious of just like original thought. I see so many parallels between that and like music, hardcore, for example. Yeah. Hardcore is like the fucking indies of everything. It's like, I'm doing this because I want to. I'm certainly not fucking making money. You know, no one's paying me to do this shit. And that's where you get the original thought of things. But then somebody comes along and goes, oh, that's fucking, that's cheeky. You know, we can, we can spin a buck off of that. And they make some kind of shtick. Right. The fucking shtick. It's like, I, I only need the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I only need the first Halloween, you know, yeah. all these movies. It's like, just let it be good. Don't fucking like, don't burn this to the ground for the people who like it. Come up with. Yeah. You were just talking about watching Hellraiser too. Right. And it's like, man, those movies after the first one are so fucking unwatchable. Um, and they just get worse and worse. What's the one where they actually like go into? Is that two or three where they go into hell or whatever? They go to hell on two, and then three is where hell on earth, where it's like yeah, with the CD <laughs> head. Yeah, they got all the martini shaker guy. Like, how can you make yeah. this nightclub scary? Uh, I guess let's like morph what these people do for work into their hellish right. figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's the same thing. And and looking at, I mean, looking at uh, Hen and Lauder's sort of output as a writer and stuff, you know, 
I'm just wondering, like, Basket Case comes out in 82, fucking 30-some-odd-thousand-dollar budget. This is $2.5 million eight years later. Basket Case, by the end of the 80s, was a fucking cult classic. Um, so it's a good example of that. It's like, well, let's just cash in on this because it somehow people fucking like this movie that I made eight years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, questions. Yeah. Well, I got I got about five. Yeah. I mean, I think that I have sort of like a, like, like questions fractaling off of one another with this, because I really want to dig into these other freaks. Right. For sure. Um, I'm going to kick this off here because I think we could all unanimously ask this question. If you're trying to like, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout this one, Dwayne's, Oh, my brother, the freak, you know, he's acting like people are supposed to feel bad or something. Why would you name the motherfucker Belial? Yeah, I know. Did did he name him as his brother Belial? Or like who is is the parents? Yeah, where are the parents? Maybe I missed it in the first one. Do they get killed or something? They're in the first one. Um, The dad does not. There's a little flashback in the second one that shows. The da- and, and like that's a call- that scene is in the first one with you know they're like he wants to save Dwayne and he doesn't give a shit about the thing that's on the side of him right he says yeah. that you know that's my son and that thing is not but like yeah. where they land like where the word Belial came from I I I, I mean obviously it's so on the nose you know it, devilish and wicked and, and all its evil connotations but like well, well I don't know I mean there's there's some shit to unpack there so. They didn't just okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It, are the parents the ones that surgically remove it in the house, or are they standing by and they have like the surgery team? Because the surgery team is the ones that get murdered in the first film. Yeah. Yeah. So the parents, the parents seek out doctors to take care of it, and they right. find some unscrupulous doctors yeah. and a surgery team that go ahead and do it. And I, I can't remember if they did it in their home. I think they did do it. They did, they did yeah. do it. Like, they do. They do. In the family. dining room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's a couple of of schools of thought here. It's like, okay, you cut the fucking thing off, and it's still alive. Just kill it, then. I mean, if you really don't want it, just kill it. Don't go through the. Don't don't name it, and then right. keep it around because that's like, okay, cool. Now we want to have this thing to just shame forever. We want this meatball of a person to just torment for the rest of its life. You know. Well, like the grandmother or the aunt, I think, had a real soft spot for Belial and took care of him. And that's who um, Granny uh, fucking Granny Ross or Granny, Granny Ruth from uh, Granny, Granny Ruth. Ruth. That's yeah. who she knew in the second one. Yeah. So, like, there was somebody protecting the little meatball after yeah. he was removed. That's, that's what it was. Um, okay. So, when they when they do remove him. This is the pedantic side of me. They do it with a fucking scalpel, just real quick. Boom, boom. I mean, I've been yeah. in an operating room when heavy surgery is happening to somebody else. It's not like that. What the fuck? I mean, the, clearly, this is, you know, this is shit that doesn't matter. But it's like, you take <laughs> this huge mass off, and it's still alive with a fucking dinky, a blade the size of an X-Acto knife. What the fuck? <laughs> Well, it's like 
They they say that like in the first one they're talking about it, and that's in that flashback scene too. Is like it's just soft tissue and flesh that's connecting the two. You know, like they're totally separate organisms. And it reminded me of like the the, the famous uh, conjoined twins, where the term Siamese twin comes from, like Cheng and Eng, right. who lived their whole life connected by a strap of flesh between them that literally could have been just been severed yeah. as i understand it there was nothing vital passing between them like their entire life they're connected to the chest by a skin tag and all right. they had to do was cut it right 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 um all right so next question uh Artie, the guy that breaks in the paparazzi the news guy uh-huh. if he's going if he's gonna make the effort to break in through the window why does he open the fucking deal and go, hey, I'm just here to take some pictures. It's okay. Like, just take the fucking pictures and go. I know because he's an idiot. I also love the way he chews gum, like full mouth agape, like slapping oh, yeah. on the gum. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd kill that motherfucker too. Just yeah, so. he, was, he was a fucking prick. Uh, <laughs> so let's see. We, I mean, there was a scene I paused it and counted. There, there's like 13 freaks when they um, – I don't remember who they attack, but they, they drive somewhere and they attack some news person or something. Um, there was 13 freaks there, and that doesn't count huge oversized head guy. doesn't count the little vampire thing. Mm-hmm. So there's even more than that. But how do they all fit in that fucking cargo van? Exactly. I've Tetris some vans full of shit, lots of fucking cabs and amps and right. shit and people, and I ain't fitting that much in a van. And there's like these tumorous, bulbous people. Like that shit ain't going to be comfy for anyone. If, if, if Granny, Ruth, Granny Ruth cares about these fuckers, she's going to get like a econo line, <laughs> at least with some seats, you know, something. So well, that's the thing. It's, it's like she doesn't care about them. It's so funny how she like when she's getting them riled up, she's suddenly wearing like priestly vestments when she like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the whole whole thing where like she's conditioned these freaks to like follow her command and her will, and you can tell she's done this before. Well, she yeah. says something that kind of alludes to like it's like the old days or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So my last question is. You know, when, when, uh, uh, the fucking characters are unmemorable. I cannot remember the dude's name, but he's part of the press or he's helping the, the lady or whatever. And they're going to meet Dwayne and the meatball in a, a bar somewhere. Right. right. A, a, a neutral yeah, locale. Yeah, right. Yes. And there's people it's in the bar cop. and stuff. And what you find yeah, out is they're he's all. He's a cop. He is a cop. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. a cop. So then you find, you know, there's people in the bar, everything seems chill and everything. And then it turns out everyone in the bar is the freaks and they all have masks on. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, I had questions about that too. Why? How did you Why? Notice? <laughs> Why? I mean, you're going to notice a fucking person with a tumorous, <laughs> enormous head sitting at the bar, even if their back's turned to what's the point in wearing this fucking mask that doesn't help you know not blow your cover at all yeah and you imagine they they they, there's probably other like olfactory and acoustic sort of uh senses that sort of tie in with the general look too like right like a pile of mud oh yeah like there's no way that that dude also didn't stink, and, <laughs> right. and like, you know, yeah, you, like you, mud when he breathed. Yeah, yeah dude. you can't tell me that those freaks have good personal hygiene. Oh my god, tooth <laughs> tooth guy, fucking halitosis <laughs> oh, no. is bad. 
And that's, oh, you know, that, that is amplifying the shit by like a million. Yeah. 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 Brutal. So yeah, that's, that's basically my questions. Um, I mean, there's lots of questions that could be extrapolated from that, but those are the main things that stick out to me. The fucking van and the dudes si- sitting in the bar. It's like, how do you not notice that this dude <laughs> is like a fucking deflating tire of a person? <laughs> yeah. Did, did you have any questions, Nate? Other than I have, so I, I like have questions just summarily about all the freaks, right? I mean, each one I think is worthy of its own sort of exposition. Um, you know, at least give me like, I don't know, give me like uh liner notes where I can, I can read up like where these fuckers come from. Yeah. Um, so right. I, like, I, I have, have like a, a bestiary or, or whatever. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because if they're that, if, if they're so fucking like horrific, absolutely horrific physical deformity, right. Um, is so, I guess, common that there's a house full of them on Staten Island. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then they're doing just great. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're all thriving under the, the uh, I guess, questionable care of Granny Ruth. Right. Um, like, where – where are they in the broader world? Like what, what, what is going on? Right. Who's looking into this? How is this man a frog? What the fuck is that gargoyle on the house? Is it a gargoyle? Is it another freak? What the fuck is that thing? Right? <laughs> laughing stone freak up on the house. So I just, I, I have tons of questions about the freaks. I want to see the opera freak on like, <laughs> like, a fucking like talent TV show where yeah. they, they wheeled this potato out on the stage with a huge wide mouth. Right. Simon Cowell and Heidi Klum are looking at it in disgust. Yeah. And then the most beautiful voice comes out of it and <laughs> everybody swoons. Right. And Simon's in tears. Yeah. And yeah. A, <laughs> you see tears coming to their eyes. Right. In a, in a time when you're supposed to be very accepting of, you know, all yeah. creeds and colors, etc. How about this fucking dude who's just a face? He looks like a a fucking cheeseburger. The fucking fucking crew pushes this potato thing out on the stage. (laughs) What they're looking at, right? They're like, they're they're really like, it's it. They're 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 entering like ontological shock as they're rolling this. It gets really fucking weird. Yeah. And then is and they're trying to hide their disgust. The audience is trying to maintain a modern sense of decorum as this living lump is rolled out. <laughs> and then it starts to fucking sing and everybody loves it. Yeah, but of course, you know, those shows right before his performance, they give his backstory, you know, where he came right. from and why this means so much to him. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. well, because I'm a fucking human cheeseburger. <laughs> Fucking look at me! I live in an attic with a bunch of other fucking freaks that would shock the devil, <laughs> and, and you know, this fucking weird woman. And uh, I want to get the hell out of there, and I'm willing to do anything, <laughs> dude. When you got a fucking piece of face like that, Jesus Christ! I go on any show just for change of scenery, for sure. Yeah. So I just want to know more about the freaks. I want to know what the fuck happened to the porter because she's not fucking dead. I wonder if she comes back in the third one because they twist her face up. 
Um, there is a surprising, uh, they're very good at what they do because there is a surprising lack of like obvious fucking like bloody trauma despite yeah. the fact that they twist your head up like a rag. Um, <laughs> and she's still fucking alive. Yeah. So yeah, I, they, I, they just pull her just head like Laffy Taffy. <laughs> Cause I really expected to see her then living at the fucking house. Right? Like, Oh, yeah. that's where the fucking freaks come from. Right. Again, a swing uh, and a miss, a swing and a miss. Yeah. So I, I, I want to know more about consequences. What about all the dead cops? Cause I mean, for cops, even one dead cop, they just don't let go of that shit. Right. And there's two of them in this movie and uh-huh. they're going to hunt you to the ends of the fucking earth. Yeah. So like, what what's up with the dead cops? Like no one gives a shit about the carnival barker. He's I would like to know what the fuck that is, but get rid of him. Nobody gives a shit about the photographer, but dead cops? No, no, no. That, that's a whole nother can of worms. And there's two of them in the fucking movie. Yeah, that's where allowing for the whole premise of the freaks just unleashing mayhem on the city would make more sense. Totally. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, like fuck it, burn it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, the other, that's the other thing too. The uh, the the limited amount of exposure to this freak house, you know that shit would get around. I mean, people don't have tight lips. Uh, and oh, people in the- Staten Island, I mean, it's like everybody knows everybody and they're going to be talking about the fucking freak show house to get that shit burnt to the ground. And Granny Ruth is known. She wrote a fucking book. She's right. known as the Greek lady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The first time that you see fucking Mac tonight, the moon man walking around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. that's it. They're never going to leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam, you know, did you have questions? No, nah, we've already talked. About the, my questions were folded in with the discussion, so sure, yeah. um, let's move on then, unless you got anything else. I, I mean, I can riff on the fucking freaks all night, man. I don't want to see him now. I not tonight. No, that's no way for a reporter to behave. He wants to grant you an interview. A personal interview. His very first. He's all excited. He's not in the basket anymore. I let him out already. He's probably hiding around here somewhere with his friends. His friends? Oh, yeah, friends. Like him. Granny Ruth's house is full of them. You really missed that, you know. I mean, you really had no idea who else was in there, did you? I swear I will not write a story. I swear I won't tell anybody anything. No one will know. You have my word. Well, it's really up to Belial. I mean, he was really looking forward to an interview with you. He figured you could ask him a few questions, get to know him a little bit. Then he could rip your face off. No big deal. All right, so that's going to move us along to the awards and categories section of the show, starting with quotes. Does anybody have any quotes? You had the 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 guy, the mar- the martini guy, a margarita guy. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a couple more. Um, okay. The let's see, I bl- oh okay. So I'm going to start this with another question that I just remembered. Looking at the quote, how is it that the fucking meatball uh, uh, Belial can talk to Granny Ruth? when she's kind of having this like psychotherapy session with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He can just telepathically transfer messages to anyone he wants. 
Yeah. So that's he's also kind of grumbling, like like it's almost like she understands his like. Right. Yeah. Which is also our off my topic about like poor health care. I mean, it's like you're giving a diagnosis off of a grumble. Like, I don't know if you should be giving health advice to a fucking meatball. He's got a lot of problems already. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. She, she says to him, I understand your pain, but ripping the faces off of people might not be in your best interest. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. No, that was pretty good. Also, I like the, the, the carnival barker guy. When he gets off the phone with the reporter, when he agrees to a hundred bucks, and he goes, "Woo, a hundred smackaroos, hundred smackarinis," <laughs> and he's fucking dancing around. He's dancing around, he's shouting like his 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 pajamas. Yeah, you know? yeah he, like, he's, he's just like the fucking like ultimate hillbilly, bucktooth hillbilly, fucking weirdo. <laughs> he became like an old timey miner in that moment. Yeah. Like prospector, <laughs> the old prospector. Yeah. Well, yeah. cinnamon and gravy. <laughs> hundred smackaroos, smackarinis. Yeah. yeah that's uh, my quote. So did you have any quotes? I, you know, I wish I'd have paid more attention and had written down some stuff, especially in the beginning yeah. with the fucking like news interviews with folks that witnessed Dwayne and Belial jump out of the window. Um, the, 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 the quote by, I remember thinking of the quote by Beverly Bonner who played Casey in the first one. Yeah. Um, oh, she's, um, yeah. She's got a good one in the beginning of this one. Yes. Is that what you're yes. going to say? Yeah. Yes. She's pretty funny in that one. And I, I it, she's pretty funny in, in, in the first movie. And I, I don't, yeah. I can't remember what she said, but it's pretty on point. So I didn't really write down very many quotes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like the scene where for whatever reason, Granny Ruth dons her fucking, you know, her, her priest robes and talks about her, bringing back the good old days. Yeah. Her finest More fucking, he- her finest heaven's gate attire. Yeah, yeah. And she says something about the wolves being at the door and it's time to uh here it is. The wolves are once again at their door. Our rights are being invaded by sideshow mentality, and she's talking about bring back the uh the good old days. Damn, that sounds like some shit that Trump riffed off for that uh you know, <laughs> fucking capital riot. That's like uh yeah. pretty prophetic, you know. Yeah. 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 That was the one I was going to say. I uh, I wish I could remember the one from from Beverly Bonner though, where she was just like, she's basically like, well, what kind of, what kind of shit is that or something. <laughs> yeah. I also like when uh, I also like when uh, um, uh, Susan who says, oh, "I'm just like you, you know, I've been pregnant for six years," and Dwayne's like, "What?" <laughs> 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 yeah. Look, she opens up her fucking shirt and that thing comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's it's almost like it's like a sandworm. It's, it looks it's like big. a fucking one of the tongues on a tremor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of yeah, Beetlejuice, it looks like like one of the Beetlejuice sandworms or uh or what are, what is it? Or uh, like a shy halud, right. a mini shy halud, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Dune worm. <laughs> Just come shooting out of her belly. Somehow yeah. it lives inside her. She's she's very uh, youthful and slender looking, despite that thing living inside of her. No right. shit. She's got some kind of tasty hoots, too. You see a little <laughs> yeah. shot of her, you're like, oh. Yeah, you they make to, a little appearance there. Yeah, you, you, get to, you get to see her cans <laughs> flapping around there. Uh, <laughs> Child actor Heather Ratray. <laughs> 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 
How uh, dignified. Um, all right. Uh, the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest idiot in the movie. I mean, Dwayne? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. yeah. I think that's a I mean, hands down. Oh, either Dwayne or the photographer. Yeah. Uh, the Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Award for best wardrobe and makeup. I mean, there's a lot to choose from because we've got. Just pick your favorite freak. Pick your favorite freak. Um, I I I liked fucking uh, diet executioner quite a bit. You see him, you know, he's got like the underbite from hell. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he seemed the most practical, but teeth guy, Jesus Christ, how do you get him through the door? Could you imagine <laughs> doing just like basic innocuous things, like trying to put a seatbelt across him and get a cat caught up in his fucking. <laughs> Dude, I, I I I have a hard problem. Like, hey, listen, I, I you know whatever. Fucking teeth. Take care of your fucking teeth. Everybody knows that shit. Um, I had a neighbor that had like three teeth in his whole head, and his gums were receded, so they were like really long brown oh, teeth. And he he would come up and talk to you. He'd talk to me, and he'd be pretty drunk. And he would talk loud and you could see in his mouth when he talked and see like the holes where his other teeth had been, you know, these dimples. And it was just so fucking bad. So I can't imagine being around a dude like teeth, man. And just, well, you know, and then then people who smoke too, they get that fucking gross (laughs) smoker halitosis. If this freak fucking, you know, choo choo drains down a pack of marbs or anything (laughs) like that, forget it. Just kill me now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So the Cosmo Kramer Award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Okay, you're laughing. What do you, what do you I, want to say? I mean, I, I'm just thinking about like there's – more than half of this cast is impossible to be in anything else. Right. I would fucking love it though. If <laughs> in the background when they go into the fucking the, the, the fucking – diner that they always go to the corner diner there in the background is like castle head lady yeah or, or like one of those things just sitting back there <laughs> right. and, then, and then you see kramer like walking in he, he, whoa yeah <laughs> hey, hey, hey buddy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh i don't know probably Dwayne. I'm I guess you know I don't know who the fuck he'd be. He'd be just some doofus in the. It might be like a waiter in the restaurant. Yeah, about, either the photographer, I think too. Uh, yeah, but what about the? I think the obvious choice is the guy that's uh, the shopkeeper guy, the the mar- margarita guy. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, you, you convinced me. That is a total fucking like non sequitur too. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Danny Trey Award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. I mean, I think you were elaborating it pretty well with what the, the hamburger head man having his whole other life as a as a, an American Idol superstar. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just roll him out there, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, body count. There's not a lot, again. There's not a lot of people that die in this. There's not a lot of violence. It's uh, what three people? Oh, I counted six. Six. But okay. I, I, I got to recall because you mentioned Nate, you mentioned two cops. I, I think that I only counted the one cop uh, in the, in the bar that was in the bar, but there's the, the, guy um, in the, hospital. the hospital. That's the first one. Um, fuck. I'm drawing a blank now on all of them, but um, the carnival guy. Okay. Yeah. Carnival guy, but he is moving around. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, 
it's suggested that he's dead. I think he's, I think he's dead. He's, he's dying. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. dying. Um, let's see the, the cop, photographer, the photographer the, and, and then the cops. So that's four. And then I've got two more. So we're, it's one of them was that we were suggested to believe that fucking Prego tremor Prego lady dies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, don't yeah. really know for sure. Yeah. Um, the other one I can't remember right now. Does Granny Ruth die? No. No. But uh, the other one is the reporter, but she doesn't die either. She right. just is laying there and they, they like welcome her to the freak world and her face is all twisted up. I see. But she's just kind of laying there groaning. Yeah. But there's definitely, there's definitely four that Belial, you know, takes out. Right. So if you were to take off, yeah, right. Because I have six. So if you were to take off the um, reporter – who's a twisted freak now. And then the lady that we're not sure of it dies, Susan. Yeah, that counts, right? Before. Yeah. Okay. All right. The wiki wormhole. I only had it like a, a little bit, but uh, one of them was uh, Frank Henlotter was adamant that there could be no sequel to basket case because the audience knew what was in the basket. All the doctors had been killed and Dwayne and Belial were dead. Yeah, but <laughs> well, it makes sense. I mean, it means a lot about this movie. Right. <laughs> um, there was also this. Uh, Frank Hannelotter admits to being fueled by Jolt Cola during the filming <laughs> of Frankenhooker <laughs> and this film to the point where Jolt Cola agreed to sponsor him, and there being uh, uh, there being publicity photos of the freaks drinking Jolt Cola and wearing There's Jolt, Jolt Cola throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so this was powered yeah, by Joe Cola. I used to love Joe Cola. Yeah, I liked it too. I drank it all the time. Yeah, uh, so uh, that's just funny that that was his that was his uh, amphetamine of choice. That's very uh, how G rated of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? Uh, I just I filmed in parts of Plain uh, Plainfield, New Jersey, and Newark. Uh, the mansion that they used in the movie was linked to a couple urban legends in Plainfield. So the whole thing was filmed in Jersey. That's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Filmed back to back with Frank and Hooker. It doesn't say which was first. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The ones you touched on, I think were the most interesting. Treatment so on heads. Wikipedia here, they have, they have all the actors and the names of the freaks too, that they played. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So like uh Clancy is the, I think the one the big sloth guy. Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah. Think that's Clancy. But that's Mark Rubenstein and Worm Man, the dude with the fishing lures hanging out of space, played by a guy named George Andros Aries. Mouse face, who's the little bat guy. Yeah. Uh, played by Deborah Bauman. <laughs> that guy the, the mouse guy with the big ears, he looks just like Bruce Dern. <laughs> I like that one of their names is Huge Arthur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then Dave, and, and then the other one is Half Moon. Yeah. So his name is Half Moon, played by David M.G. Um, and he was also in Dawn of the Dead, and that's kind of huh. the booby catch. Oh, here's something else. Uh, the uh, there's a uh, Frank Henenlotter actually wrote, and it was directed by another guy, a short in 2017 called Belial's Dream, and it's a five minute short, uh, 
short film about Belial and uh, his strange dream, his nightmare that he had. Hopefully that dream is just five minutes of him plowing out that other fucking meat. <laughs> you know, we already saw five minutes of him plowing out that meat. <laughs> yeah uh yeah all right well cool um we gotta come up with an iconography and rate this <laughs> this one's pretty right for all kinds of iconography so what do we what do we we want to rate out of five belials plowing eve in the ass yeah just beating the fucking brakes <laughs> up that shit fucking her right fucking her right back in time yeah, God knows with what and where, but they were. <laughs> yeah, what 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 appendages he's using? Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds good to me. I gave this a a two a two two and a half out of five. Out of five? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a solid two for me. Yeah, I mean, I had a really good time watching it. I laughed a lot, but it's too fucking long. Uh, I, think. I was so ready for it to be done. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, 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 it's a two for me. All and that's right. another thing too, is it just fucking ends. Like it ends with an obvious setup that there's of course going to be another movie. Right. Um, but it's like, they're just like, ah, fuck it. We're out of money. It's, it's already long enough. Just, just fucking end it. Yeah. And it just fucking ends. Yeah. Pretty, pretty uh, shot. I mean, I'm glad, glad it's fucking ended when it did, but. Yeah, they just kind of they kind of come up to a halt like that. That's pretty. pretty yeah, when unusual. when when Dwayne is when Dwayne is sewing Belial back onto his side, I I, I said to myself like, oh please don't make there can't be another half hour or more of this movie. Like we got to be done with this. <laughs> and then ten seconds later, it's done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Nate, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. So there's two- yes. Yeah, there's two things we haven't mentioned: midnight clock, oh. and our sequels category for what. what Thank this you. Is. I'm always forgetting some shit. Okay, so Brandon, go ahead. Um, okay, all right. So, so we got the sequel. Yeah. The sequel spe- uh, like definitions here that that yeah, Brandon's so come up with. We kind of lumped in all of these movies into three categories: being category one is this movie made just for a cash grab. Category two uh, would be was this made with like. Um, a new inventive perspective on the story that could, you know, embellish it in a, in a, in a way that's um, interesting uh, and not a cash grab or category three. Is this a continuation of a story to complete it out? The best example I come up with is like Halloween chapter one and two made into two films. I I think, Mm. I mean, obviously this is a fucking cash grab, right? It seems like it. We kind of talked about that earlier. I mean, I, I also think that you got to be pretty fucking stupid if you thought you'd be rolling in the cash after spending two and a half million on this. Right. But uh, well, but not, there's, there's money laundering or something going on there, you know. Yeah, and this didn't need to happen to ex, ex, like expand the story. The story was over. With the, yeah. The director even said it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a fucking. Uh, I don't know for fan service or something. I mean, I, I guess. guess that's the best category I would put it in. But it also, like, again, like you're saying, it doesn't really seem like a cash grab. Like, because I don't think Frank Henelotter is that type of director. But obviously, he's working on service of of a production company, too. Uh, yeah. So, I don't so know. I say, man. Somebody seemed to have a pretty poor idea of what would actually bring in the cash <laughs> in 1990. Um 
And it's like, you know, unless, like I said, unless there's like a money laundering aspect to this fucking movie too. <laughs> Which, like, oh, we got two and a half million dollars to make this fucking movie. I'm going to hire uh, all my buddies. And then we're, you know, you're going to kick back 30% or something like that to me. Right. Yeah. Could very well be the case. As far as this being a midnight movie, I don't know, man. Like this again, it's very, you know, it's very whimsical. Yeah. There's not a lot of war. It's not really a thing that you would watch late at night, super late at night. I mean, no. but it's, it's, it's goofy and unhinged. This, this, so I don't know. You know, I mean, def. I guess it's this, not really. This is like in there with Beetlejuice. This will be your eight o'clock dinner time after dinner feature <laughs> on TBS or something around Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I think that it has the potential to be so much fucking gorier, and they just yeah. went with the fun aspect of it. You know. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for our intro music. Our outro music for today is uh, by the band appropriately titled Belial with the track for them. Uh, If you want to zip us an email, you can at midnightflixpod at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and a TikTok at midnightflixpod. Once again... Uh, Nate, thanks for coming on. Check out Nate's podcast, Demo Listen. Uh, it's quite good. And uh, Brandon, as always.